Every time you roll the dice, you are creating 4 to 100 alternate universes, depending on which dice you roll. Presuming, of course, you believe in the multiverse theory. Though, outcome-wise, it's more like four realities. If you roll to hit, you either critically hit, critically miss, hit, or miss. Just four meaningful outcomes. Everything else is inconsequential. Don't get me started on the alternate realities you're spawning when you roll damage. Combat is very mathematical. Generally, you don't have to worry about probability, alternate realities, or what have you. Just simple addition, subtraction, and comparing numbers and seeing which one is bigger. I'll show you my attack roll if you tell me your armor class. That kind of thing. But that's playing the game. What about preparing the game? What math is required there? Turns out it's a lot of easy but multi-step math if you follow either the rules in the 5th edition Dungeon Master's Guide or the revised version in Xanathar's. Xanathar's is an attempt to fix what is in the Dungeon Master's Guide, and I feel for the designers because they're trying to solve for the unsolvable. There is no formula which can accurately arrive at a balanced encounter in 5th edition. One of my favorite sayings is, learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. It's attributed to Pablo Picasso and it feels appropriate here. Breaking combat. This is Anatomy of a Campaign. Understanding the Rules of Combat Encounter Design Notice I keep saying combat encounter design rather than encounter design. This system is largely useless for an encounter other than combat, and so really that's all I'm talking about. To be clear, I don't find the rules for this useful, but I also recognize that the nature of 5th edition and every edition other than 4th makes a mathematical approach only partially successful. I've heard 5th edition described as swingy, meaning the dice and other variables screw up the average being actually average. It's relatively common for a combat to go from moderate to deadly or even easy. Same encounter, same players, it's just a high standard deviation from the mean. Basically put, here's what the DMG says to do. You have to get an XP value for each character by looking up their level and the difficulty rating of the encounter on a chart. It's on page 82 of the DMG. Then you add up the XP value for each character. This gives you an XP budget, which you can then spend on monsters. This is reminiscent of how 4th edition was structured. For example, a party of four third-level PCs in a medium-difficulty combat gives you 150 experience points for each PC, or a 600 experience point budget. The process goes on to provide guidance if you put the PCs up against multiple foes. More than one and your XP budget goes down by a certain factor based on the number of monsters. Additionally, if you have more than five or fewer than four PCs, you adjust as well. So if I wanted a gaggle of eight goblins to go against my four third-level PCs, that's 50 experience points per goblin, or 400 experience points. But then, because there are eight of them, the factor is 2.5, bringing that up to 1,000 experience points. Way over. Actually, six goblins gets us to exactly 600 experience points in value. Please note the party still gets 
6 times 50 actual experience points. The 2x factor is only for encounter designing purposes, but didn't I say a 2.5 factor? I did, but that's for 8. When I dropped to 6, the factor changed, and oh my god, please make it stop. So, four third-level PCs versus six standard goblins is a precisely medium encounter per the rules, which means it could have one or two scary moments, as they describe it, and healing resources might be needed, but there will be no casualties. My gut check is that this will actually be an easy encounter, that with a smidge of luck, the PCs will decimate the goblins. I admit, if the DM's dice are super hot, someone might get injured. I could make this hard by changing how the Gerblins are deployed, giving them surprise, etc., but there's no math for that. The DMG mentions ways to vaguely adjust based on the scenario, but I think the issue is that it's spitting out an easy encounter and calling it medium. Okay, same encounter and parameters, but with the revised Xanathar's approach. It's not at all concerned about easy, medium, or hard. It considers things based on whether this is a solo or a multi-monster battle. That's the nucleus of the process. Then it has you compare the party level to the monster's challenge rating and gives you a ratio. Yay, ratios. Gerblins are a one-fourth CR, and therefore a third-level party faces them at a one-to-two ratio, or one PC for every two Gerblins. This bumps up the fight so that we have eight of the little cuties fighting our four PCs. And yeah, that feels a bit more on point to me. Now, what if it's different critters at different challenge ratings? Here's what it says to do. And this is directly quoting from Xanathar's. Using the same guidelines, you can mix and match challenge ratings to put together a group of creatures to oppose four third-level characters. For example, you could select one CR1 creature... That's worth two third-level characters, leaving you with two characters worth of monsters to allocate. You could then add two CR one-fourth monsters to account for one other character and one CR one-half monster, blah, 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 blah. Still very noodly, but not that bad. You're able to design the combat with some degree of detail and nuance in terms of the creatures that you can have in the battle. So let's consider a fight I put two of my level 5 PCs on a week ago. Brennan Constantine went up against tricked-out ghouls from Toma Beasts. I used two Imperial ghouls, CR4 each, and an Iron Ghoul, CR5. So yeah, should have been suicide, I think. Here's what Xanathar's computes, and I did not check this back when building the encounter. That it would have been balanced for... 11 5th level PCs. 11. Holy sh**. Now, Xanathar's has a ton of advice surrounding these optional rules for encounter design. It recommends you assess the PC's hit points and saving throws to make sure they cannot be one-shotted or that they're not particularly weak against the required saves. Furthermore, it says to check the monsters and make sure they don't have bits that will just crush your PCs. Also, let me say that I did not go into that encounter thinking it was fair. I knew it was going to be very tough, and it was. Bren's half-orc resilience prevented him from going down. Additionally, both Bren and Constantine have great con saves critical when fighting ghouls. But two PCs versus 11? This really begs the question, what am I thinking and how do I approach combat design? 
To be honest, that's like asking me to describe how to tie shoelaces. We all do it on autopilot. I start with my goal. I wanted to introduce these ghouls in a way that highlighted that these were not normal ghouls. They have a hide hit bonus, a gaggle of hit points, multi-attack, and do a ton of damage on top of the standard paralytic effects. Plus, they can give you Dara Ghoul Fever, which is lethal and turns you potentially into a powerful ghoul. I was out to make an impression. I thought mostly about the scene. A rundown shack in the woods, think Evil Dead, Twilight, three sentries waiting in the dark. I wanted my two martial combat PCs to strut their stuff. Constantine stealthed into the battle, leveraging his Gloomstalker abilities to great effect. Bren waded in from the other flank and went Nova with his Battlemaster maneuvers. I know that A, these are well-designed characters, and B, they are played by veteran players who know how to use their PCs to great combat effect. I also had some weak NPCs with the players, so a couple of ghoul actions in the beginning were eaten up by killing the red shirts. I decided the ghouls were okay because none of them had CRs above the player's level. Now, if I had rolled a bit better, yes, they could have died. I recognized the variance of the combat would be high based on how the players rolled, how they approached, and how I rolled. For instance, if either one of them had been paralyzed by the ghoul effect at some point, I think the combat would have ended much worse. I also tend to err on the side of going too high, knowing that if I absolutely have to, I can pull back, play them suboptimally, reduce hit points, or even forgo things like multi-attack. My gut told me they could handle these guys, and I was right. So here's my guidelines for breaking combat in 5e. 1. Start with the scene goal. 2. Consider numeric advantage. 3. Consider individual CRs. 4. Identify control levers. 5. Hedge up. 6. Cackle maniacally. Step the first. Start with the scene goal. Combat is part of the story. Make sure you're moving things forward. Don't just run a fight to run a fight if you can help it. Xanathar's has some good charts for giving the monsters personalities and tactical approaches, even a little bit of R-O-L-E playing in the form of a taunting villain is a solid add to any combat scene. Ask yourself, why are they fighting? What does the enemy want? What do the PCs want? It's rarely just to kill the other side. Number two, the smelliest number. Consider numeric advantage. Does one side outnumber the other? Five CR1s are way harder than one CR5. Consider how the sides are arrayed when the battle starts. Can one target be dogpiled? Concentrating fire is a staple of D&D tactics, and it's crazy effective. One gerblin is weak, odds are they'll miss. But if five gerblins attack one PC, it is statistically unlikely that the PC won't take a hit. And the inverse is true. Watch how your PCs concentrate fire on the biggest threat. More than anything else, this is the best predictor of combat outcome. It's why solos are so weak in 5e. Xanathar's calls for a solo to be something like two to three levels above the party for this reason. How many attacks does each side get compared to the potential targets? This is the math that determines the game. Third, use CR as a guide. If you go over the group's level in selecting a CR, you're playing with fire. Generally, you want to be under it or they'll need the ability to concentrate fire in order to win. For example, in my ghoul combat, they individually engaged the CR four ghouls before jointly engaging the CR5 ghoul. The final fight was actually easy. They cleaned his clock quickly compared to how the one-on-ones went with the CR4s. 
I don't have a sense of how low you can go, but if you want to throw a bunch of mooks at the PCs, I think Xanathar's charts would be helpful. For my 5th level party, I'm looking at 1 quarter CR for 8 mooks. I can work around that number as needed. So if I've decided I want there to be 6, 10, what have you, I can just adjust how weak or strong the CRs are. But Xanathars will give me the range to know that I'm playing down in the 1 eighth, 1 quarter, 1 half range. I can't put 8 CR1 creatures against my party. Well, I can. I probably shouldn't. Fourth, and what I think of as the secret sauce, identify your control levers. If you are skirting the edge of sanity, meaning you're going at the PCs hard, as I did in the Ghoul Encounter, make sure there are things you can do to pull it back, like holding off on multi-attack or a lower damaging attack option, something you can change in the moment based on how it's really working out. Because the truth is, you don't know what's going to happen with your dice or the PC's dice, or if they misread the situation and start off badly. As I've said, 5e is swingy, and while I'm not advocating for a let-them-win approach, this is a means to course-correct on your scene intentions without doing something over-the-top like fudge the dice, though I have and would do it if needed. But don't forget the villains. Even smart ones can make mistakes. Charge when they should take cover. Cower when they should surge forward. Monologue when they should just kill someone. Numero five, hedge up. Meaning err on the side of going too hard rather than too easy. Unless you want them to mop the floor with the opposition, in my experience, the players beyond first level always do better than I expected. First level is a special level where you really have to go easy and just do what you have to do to get them to second level. They just don't have enough hit points. I believe it's easier to make an encounter easier on the fly than to make it harder. Sure, you can add more villains, but sometimes that can be narratively frustrating. If you think you're winning and all of a sudden the DM just pulls out a bunch more enemies, that kind of feels off and you telegraph what you're doing. Now, this does not mean to make it super hard on purpose. But when considering to make it six or eight goblins, go with eight. When thinking the CR should be three or four, go four. Operate on the higher side of what you think they can manage. And sixth, in the six-point encounter design methodology, cackle menacingly. This one's a bit self-explanatory. I'm teaching my son how to drive. One thing that is making him worry is when driving next to barriers on the passenger side of the car, especially on highways when going faster. His instincts are to edge away from the barrier, but this can cause him to go too far in the other direction or the other lane. He asked me how he can know how close to get. I didn't really have a useful answer. The truth is you have to get a sense of the car, which is akin to saying, use the force, Luke, which would be odd since his name's not Luke. But that's the truth. It comes with experience. The more you do it, the more of an expert sense you get for these things. Start slow. Forgive yourself any perceived mistakes. Worry never did anything for anyone. Be thoughtful about things, but don't get paralyzed. You must take action. In the case of D&D, no one ever remembers the time they beat six goblins. It's those moments when they had to dig deep and pull a solve out of thin air to defeat that villain they had no business defeating when they won with just one hit point remaining. To my knowledge, there is but one way to get there. You have to bring them as close as possible to that concrete barrier and risk the paint job on the car. 
Note to my son, if you are listening, do not risk the paint job. Drive slower until you get more comfortable. This has been Anatomy of a Campaign. If you disagree with everything you just heard, let me know. I can be reached on Twitter at AnatomyCamp or via email at phil at campaignanatomy.com. Remember, there is a reality where you roll nothing but 20s and you probably slave under the monkeys who typed out all of Shakespeare's works in order. As ever, thanks for listening. (laughs) 